0: What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here back again. This is The Pit Show, where I often like to sit here and stew in my own thoughts, and I always have to find somebody to come pull me out of that and uh, have a good conversation. So this week, my guest is someone that I I just met recently, uh, but already can tell I'm about to learn a lot from because... uh, they are the the photography and camera gurus in my opinion uh and i just got this little sony mirrorless here so I, i'm trying to learn about lutz and all this other stuff so hopefully i can pull something from him but Ant pruitt my guest is a podcaster over on the twit network uh does such shows as uh hands-on photography and uh, you can also catch a lot of great tutorials on youtube i have definitely learned a little bit i think my favorite one is uh that gradient tutorial that you did, uh, in Photoshop. But, uh, and how are you doing today?
1: <laughs> I am unbelievable, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you guru. Nah, not me, man. I th- I think you oversold not me. There. At all. I mean, I,
0: You know, there's a, there's a saying like at, at my job, like part of our, our core values are humble, ambitious. And I feel like, yeah, in a lot of cases, those are the kind of people that I like to talk to on the show, or, or people that are doing like phenomenal stuff, and and like at least out there doing it. Like that already is above half the people out there. <laughs> they're not talking about it. They're they're are about it, and they're doing it. So I give you all the props that you. Oh deserve. man,
1: man, I, I I definitely appreciate that sentiment because I agree with you a hundred percent. Most people talk about. This and talk about doing that or what have you. And I, I have distanced myself from so many people that just talk, give me some action. You know, that's that's just how I roll. And, and I've been a lot happier the more I just got quiet about things and just started doing more. You know, no sense in talking about it because talking's not getting it done. I mean, granted, you can speak things to an, into existence, but you still got to do the work. You know,
0: absolutely. And speaking of talking about it, I need to learn a little bit about your story, because like I said, we we kind of met through like Micah (laughs) Sargent, kind of who I haven't really met yet either. So I need to get him on the show. But then
1: I love that guy just through those
0: networks. And I, I had I had mentioned in a tweet like, yo, tech tech black like black tech twitter like why is where are we where where are we at like you're either in the entrepreneur space or you're talking black culture i want tech professionals of color being amplified uh-huh. in the podcast scene and the only person i could think of was micah and Micah was like hold on now you also got a shout out Aunt so i need to know your story and how you got to where you are today in uh in the tech podcasting and photography space
1: it's it's a long road, so um, I'll try to keep it somewhat brief, but it is a pretty long road. Um, my career, professional career, I started out um, trying to get into information technology and working the nine to five, if you will, just doing IT stuff. Uh, my first stab at an IT job, air quotes, came on a whim where the CIO of the company that I was working at saw that I was trying to go back to college and finish up and and get a degree and just go to online school, what have you. Because at the time I was just doing data entry and, you know, just sort of running payrolls and stuff at this PEO. And when he heard about me going back to college, you know, he was like, we're going to try to um, do some things in the IT department. And if you'd like to be a part of it, let me know, because he just liked my attitude and just, you know, he was cool people. And I said, well, heck yeah, sure. I'll jump in. And next thing you know, I was part of the beginning of the IT service desk, IT help desk and just sort of flourished from there and got more into quality assurance. So when I wasn't doing any type of support work for the office, I was doing quality assurance because we developed our own internal custom apps for the, you know, for work. And, I was able to just dive in and do all of the IT testing and learning more and more about just the the SDLC um, software development lifecycle and, and later learn more about agile and project management. And it just, you know, I just sort of really got deep on the enterprise IT stuff and the company grew and I grew and took on more responsibilities and just continued to try to learn more. But while all of that was happening, I was finding myself getting back to my art stuff because I used to draw a lot as a kid. I I always had just some sort of affinity for the arts, whether it was painting, drawings, sculpture, even music. So I was in band um, and a lot of people found that hard to believe because they look at me and they just assume I'm a meathead because I was a former athlete and played at a decent level and still keep myself in decent shape and things like that. So I don't really fit what I present, I guess, if you look at me physically. Um, So, um, yeah, I, I decided to get back into my art stuff just as leisure. And I picked up a camera and was having fun with it, a little point and shoot and taking decent photos. And people started digging it and kept asking me questions. And I said, well, okay, I'll tell you how to do it. And it got to a point where I was asked so often, I said, forget it. I'm just going to make a blog <laughs> and and put stuff on YouTube and things like that just to make it easier on me so I don't have to answer the same thing over and over again. And about this has been about 12 years now, something like that, about 12 years ago. I got to the point and I said, well, I want to take this more seriously. I want to work my way out of... Enterprise IT. Enterprise IT is paying my bills. Art's not paying my bills. But so I need to, you know, try to figure out a way to do both until I can get out of enterprise IT. And I just kept doing everything that I needed to do with my day to day day, or nine to five job. But I started taking on more stuff from a freelance standpoint. I started writing more on my blog. I started getting opportunities to write for a couple other tech blogs because of my (laughs) IT background. But then they also saw, well, dang, you take pictures for your article? Really? You can take shots? Yeah, I can. So I, they started allowing me to focus more on the creative side of things and just grow from there. And I just kept at it and kept doing tutorials here and there and and um writing things up and more opportunities just kept presenting themselves and in 2019 twit tv mr leo laporte and mrs leo laporte lisa laporte um, they reached out and it's like hey you know we you've been on our show on our network a couple times as a guest interview and things like that and we We'd love to have you on the team. And I was like, Well, hell yeah. So <laughs> I had to talk to the family and uh jumped right on in and hit the road and came to Northern California.
0: See, one of the things that I love about that story is it was I don't want to say it was like you were setting yourself up for success and didn't even know it from like day one. But it was like it was this whole understanding of what your art was doing and giving yourself the the runway to take off because i i think that that's where you know a lot of the folks that i follow on twitter or you know i'm watching and it's just like it's like no you're trying to you're trying to blow up too fast and and it's not it's not like it can't happen it's not like you you won't be able to take off but right i think right. so many people just ignore the idea of like art was a thing that i was doing as a passion and i wasn't thinking about making money on it until someone was like oh hey we can give you some money for doing like if, if you want to keep doing this we'll pay you and mm-hmm. from there like you said you kind of structured it to how can i focus on the thing that i enjoy doing while i also have this thing over here that pays my bills and that that reminds me a ton of like you know my story yeah. of you know I wanted to get into this developer space, but I wasn't going to be able to just say, Hey, let me use my GI bill and and go to college because I had a wife and and a family and a mortgage and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was like, let Mm -hmm. me just, let me just play the field and do the things that I enjoy doing for fun. And then slowly make that progression until one day you see someone that's like, Hey, you want to come work for us? And it's like, I I thought you'd never ask. Yes. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. You know, uh, what some people don't realize for me, I started, I I said, I I said it was about 12 years ago when I really just said, okay, I need to get more serious about this because I love doing it. And heck, other people are making money off of it. Why not me? But there was a moment after that where I literally sat down and wrote out, okay, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. And I'd like to try to have this done within about, you know, um, about 10 years because I was planning it based upon my children. Um, the missus and I, uh, we we were pretty aware of of, you know, you don't want to necessarily uproot children too late or too soon. You know, the time has got to be just right. And my plan was to just, you know, figure out, okay, it's probably going to be right about the time they're teenagers or so. And, and if it's time for me to move, I'm going to move because I had already mapped out the goal of we wanted to be in San Francisco area or the Seattle area, period. That was it. I, I And it was going to be a process of slowly moving away from Charlotte, North Carolina and say somewhere like Southern Georgia and then to maybe like Houston area or and then to somewhere like Arizona. I mean, I literally thought it was just going to be a way of inching across the country, if you will. And I remember telling my mother and my uh, stepmother after I decided what I was going to do, I just called him up, said, hey, don't be surprised when I say we're gone because I'm ready to get up out of here and um, I'm going to make it happen. So this is your warning. And I remember my stepmother was like, well, okay, what are you doing? Why? And she's like, okay, you know, just sort of moved on with it. And when I told my mom, my mom, she knew I wasn't, she knew I wasn't playing. And I could hear it in her voice because this was something of pretty high magnitude for her because her grandchildren are going to be away. I'm going to be away. Um, You know, it is what it is, but. She, she knew I was serious and she knew that that if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it because that's just how I roll. I don't I don't like talking a lot. I just want to do it. And if I say it, it's going to happen, you know. But again, it took took almost 10 years and a lot of screwing up, a lot of mistakes, a lot of bad luck, if you will. Um Things were happening with the missus and I where there'd been a financial problem or just something pop up all of a sudden. And it's like, man, this is never going to happen. Um, but, you know, we just kept the faith and kept working at it. And sure enough, when I got the call, it was right at that 10 year mark. <laughs> you know,
0: that that's something that I, I've been wanting to investigate a little bit more just in 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 black culture as a whole, because like when mm-hmm. When I got married, like, I was in the military, I got married, and it was like, I got two choices. You know, the family, well, I really had three choices. We could stay in Southern California. I could go back to Tennessee or Georgia, you know, where all my family's at. Or we Mm -hmm. could try and do something different. And in my mind, it was like, I'm already away. Like, I I, I got my ticket. I'm, I'm already gone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my wife, my wife is Caucasian. So it was like for her, she was like, Well, I mean, my Mm -hmm. whole family's here and, you know, everybody's here. Like, I'm I'm so close to my family. And I was like, in my mind, I knew how hard it would be to just uproot somebody that hasn't quite uprooted like i all of my friends all my mm-hmm. family they're all same town some of them in the same house that they've grown mm-hmm. up in like it's the same old same mm-hmm. old so for me to be like i'm gonna make that decision since i was already gone i'm just gonna stay gone and then slowly like think about that process because i was like you i was like yeah. hey uh, Seattle was where I wanted to go because I'd been there a few times and I, I love the area up there. I love Vancouver and all that. Yeah. But I yeah. I wonder how I wonder how hard it is for folks to say, you know, when you have a family, when you have kids to say, I'm going to make a big move for my career.
1: <laughs> well, um. I can tell you, it's it's pretty damn hard. Uh, I'm going to speak for the missus. It, it was pretty hard for her um, after the one one or two days of me bringing this up to her. Because for me, it was easy. You know, I had I, I, living in Charlotte. I was already two hours away from my family in Upstate South Carolina, which isn't far. Two hours is nothing, but. At the same time, I didn't see them often. I saw my mom's, my sister, and my nephew, and that's about it. I didn't see any of my extended family hardly ever. And we were only two hours away. And there was a lot of times they would leave the upstate of South Carolina to go out on a weekend trip or what have you to say, Charlotte, North Carolina, and would literally drive right by my house and not even stop and say, hey, but I would see them on social media Just doing the selfies at this building and that building and this shop and this restaurant, and I'm like, yeah, I'm about five minutes from that place. But you just literally drove right by. You didn't call, you know. So I knew if it ever, whenever it came to the time for me to leave, that's it's not going to be an issue for me. Conversely, the misses, similar to what your your better half has, is pretty much rooted there in Charlotte, North Carolina. And when I got this news and told her about the opportunity. I remember the look on her face. First I pulled her outside and said, Hey, come outside to the back. We need to talk. And when I told her and the look on her face, her face lit up. And I had to tell her, No, 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 slow down. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. I don't think you understand. You you are thinking we're moving a couple hours away. I'm talking time
0: zones. So, yeah, it's a, it's a six hour flight if you got any layovers.
1: Right. You know, I'm talking time zones where I say, I need you to really think about this because, you know, we are human. There's going to be days you're going to get pissed off at me and you're not going to be able to go run over to your girlfriend's house. You just can't, you know, and I needed her to really understand the gravity of that. And she didn't know it for, you know, for a couple of days. And then it finally hit her. And it was it was hard. (laughs) She she was wanting to go and ready for the new opportunities because she's wanting a different life for herself professionally as well. And this was this is the way to do it is getting up out of Dodge and basically doing a reboot, because that's exactly what I told my mother and my stepmother when I called them years ago. I said, I need a reboot. I'm not happy here anymore. And I'm going to reboot. And she was at the same point. And it's like, yeah, I need this reboot, but boy, it's going to be hard, you know, and it's gotten better. It's been a long year because of all of the stuff that's happened out here with the pandemic, with the fires, the economy has gone to shit. Um, Just uh, (laughs) it's been difficult, but she's pushed through and she's gotten gotten the most out of it as she can, as have I, you know.
0: Well, let's let's investigate that a little. Cause I, I know I don't want to I don't want to jump too far down the family road because we'll we'll both be here in tears talking about how we made it. <laughs> but uh, <Yeah. laughs> but uh, y- you talk about that, you know the whole the whole idea of photography like that. To yeah. me, that is something that one I'm I'm terrible at. Even with like a camera phone, like it can do everything right for me. I'll still find a way to mess it up, but.
1: Oh, come on, (laughs) dude. I was getting ready to say, the phones make it almost idiot-proof nowadays. Come on, you can't say that to me, Jay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But yeah, like, all of the experiences that I've had with photography has always been about, like your lighting has to be right. And you got to wait for like the golden hour and all this stuff. It's like, man, ain't nobody waiting for anything right now. I'm waiting for, you know, Postmates to show up. That's about it. Um, How has (laughs) doing all this right? I'm sure this is a softball question. How's all like the pandemic and everything. And even, even the wildfires, like how has that changed? How you uh, either take photography or how you prepare kind of like your setup?
1: Well, it was a lot easier for me than other people because of my experience with enterprise IT. I worked from home probably 80% of my career full time. And so I was used to being a self-starter. I was used to just, you know, knowing, okay, today is Monday. I got this task, that task, yada, 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 set it up, do what I need to do. hit send, boom, done on to the next kind of thing. And when all of this happened, With the pandemic and stopped going to the studios and things like that, it really didn't make me much of a difference. It actually—I take that back. It actually felt better for me because this is my comfort zone. I come into my office slash studio. I built it up to be the way that I that I need it to be and where it's comfortable. I can sit down and literally just hit two or three switches, and I'm recording and doing what I need to do from a production standpoint. Um, but it, it just, like I said, I think it's more of the IT stuff that helped prepare me for that and, and understanding what it's like to be in restricted scenarios, not necessarily in an office environment where this person or resource is right there next to you and you can just easily grab it. Um, it, it you learn to work with restraints when you're at home um, in IT. Uh, and, and I think it's the same way when you're dealing with photography in times like this, I'm still learning some things about it, but I was still a bit more prepared than, than I realized, uh, you know, instead of going out doing the street photography stuff, which is my favorite, one of my favorite things to shoot, um, I get up and just do my walk and I go find a field or something, just do more landscape stuff. And there's peace in that and there's craft in it. And it's a lot of technicalities to it, you know, just like you said, with golden hour, blue hour. But what if I go out midday and I still, Feel like shooting, that's probably the worst time of day to shoot. But what can I do about it? It's probably the only time that I could shoot that day. What am I going to do about it? And you just learn how to adapt.
0: I think that's been like one of the biggest advantages uh, for me as a podcaster, like a, as an indie podcaster. You know, a lot uh-huh. of that has been just learning over time and. Having to rely on all of the little shortcuts and all the little tricks, so that when you do move into a a better setup, you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, we got we playing Mm -hmm. now. I like this. Like,
1: I I remember like my first (laughs)
0: streaming setup was like I went to like Home Depot, bought two heat lamps, got some printer paper, taped the printer paper over the heat lamps, and like,
1: yeah. Yeah, Diffuse that it. was
0: my light diffusers. And then like I, I went to Walmart and just bought like the closest thing to green I could find for a, like a, a bed sheet. And that was my green screen. Yep. And it was terrible, but it was what I had. And
1: no, nah, dude, that's how you yeah. do it. That's how you do it. I wish you could see my camera here. Um, over, over zoom. Actually, I could turn it on. Nobody's watching this, but I'm going to show it to you. Seeing start okay. video. You see yeah. that um, for the people listening, this is a, a speed light or flash that you would put on top of a camera. And I have it on a bracket and I wanted to make a snoot for it. And a snoot for photography is basically a way of taking the light that's coming out of your flash and making it come out into a beam and a little small laser beam flash type of thing. And I have a snoot, but I was thinking everybody don't have snoots. So what can I do to make one? So I grab <laughs> this right here. This is just a um paper towel roll from the empty paper towels. Broke it off a little bit and taped it down over the flash, and I tested it the other day, and it works like a champ. I mean, that, you that's you know, because like a, what if I didn't have a snoot, but I needed a snoot, I needed to figure out something.
0: That, you know? that is like a, a straight, like $2 fix right there. I, li- I like that. Yeah, like that's that's innovation. <laughs> that That's that's like that. Those, that's like I said, that's that uh, Home Depot light diffusers right there. Yeah. That's right. I feel spoiled now. I got like the Chaotica eyeball and the, you know, (laughs) Blizzard SL with the, we were, we were talking about audio interfaces now. I I remember going to like Goodwill and getting like the thickest blanket I could and just recording in a closet with like a, a quick nail to the wall. And it was like, that was.
1: That's awesome though. That's 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 pro level.
0: <laughs> Quite honestly, I that's mean, pro level. Growing up, yeah, when when you knew that that guy that had like the recording studio in his in his room and you're like, you mm-hmm. know, people were cutting demos out of it and you're like, hey, I mean, it's good enough to cut a demo. Like y- you knew what, right. you knew what you could, <laughs> couldn't do with it. And even now like I think as technology gets better and better, you don't need, you know, a sony a6400 even though i yeah i bought one what camera do you have (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i got a I got an a6400 with a 55 millimeter lens on it or actually is it Uh i think it is yeah Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and I, i don't know how to use any of the functions on it i put it on i put it on video mode connect it to a cam link 4k and use it to use it to stream and it's like like, i could really go out and do more with this thing (laughs) but i don't i don't know what i'm doing so oh gosh
1: come on man well we got to get some fire in you and get you out there creating
0: let's do this let's do this first tell everybody (laughs) how how they get in touch with you and then we'll jump into the after show and you can you can explain what i've got here because I heard a mirrorless and I was like, sure. Well, I don't need no mirror. You should see my hair. No mirror required. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let everybody know how they can get in touch and uh check out all the stuff that you're doing.
1: Sure. I am um the easiest way to find me is to just give me a follow over on social media on both Twitter and Instagram. I am ant underscore. Pruitt. Um, there I'm sharing all of my content, whether it's something I put up as a blog post or prints that I have for sale, or better yet, sharing my show, Hands-On Photography from Twit, which is, uh, the website is twit.tv slash hop, that's H-O-P for Hands-On Photography. And uh, you'll see all of the videos there and subscription options over there and a lot of fun tutorials and simple stuff. And every now and then I try to get a little bit more advanced, but I wanted to do that show that's something for people to get started with and not feel overwhelmed because I've been there and um I want people to be able to shoot, especially since cameras are a lot more accessible to people now, even the smartphones, that you figured out a way to screw up with your photos some kind of way. I don't (laughs) know how you did that.
0: (laughs) All right everybody, my guest's been Ant Pruitt. This has been the Pit Show. I've been your host, Jay Miller. If you wanna follow on the show just follow me on twitter KJY miller you can also check out the website kj miller.com don't go too quick now because as soon as i'm done with this wrap up we're jumping into the after show where ant's going to be asking me whatever questions he's got i kind of have an idea of which way we're going but i really don't like he, he can ask me what i have for breakfast this morning uh i mean any questions off you no know, no questions are off limits so uh, we're gonna jump into that but for my guest and thank you so much thank you so much for sharing your story for sharing your inspiration and i, I hope that we've made future podcasters future youtubers and videographers and uh, just people that are still in that struggle trying to get out but uh for this week this is in the pit show we're off to the after show and are you ready
1: i'm ready Thanks, man. Uh, like
0: I said, this is your show. You can ask whatever questions, as few or as many as you like. Uh, but at this point on, the show is yours.
1: All right. Well, first off, why did you get that particular camera? Just to do live stream? Yes? Um, no? That one? So...
0: Um, my job, I'm a developer advocate. So right now, mm-hmm. you know, the traditional focus was you go out, you give conference talks and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, we don't yep. do that that much no more. Uh, or at all, like we still give conference talks, but they're all right. virtual. Uh, the other side right. of that was I, I do want to have some type of YouTube presence. And then our, my job is also starting to focus a little bit more on YouTube and you oh, know, nice. starting to, to look at people's nostrils, you know, from a Zoom Camera, you know, it started to feel mm. feel kind of mm. bad, um, and I I didn't want to be a part <laughs> of the problem, so I was like, I got two choices: I can continue to use I had a Logitech C920, um, I can use yeah. that, that's perfectly fine, or I can kind of take an investment, you know, make an investment on myself, uh, look at some cameras, and. Invest in a camera that one, I can use if I'm like out on the road and I see something that I want to shoot real quick, I can shoot it. If I, you know, if I want to do something that's like still photography or object, you know, photography, I can. That's why I kind of have that, that 50 milliliter, 50 millimeter. I don't need nothing too crazy, uh, yet. I should mm-hmm. say. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also, to be quite frank, I mean, I went on Amazon and it was the one that I could finance. So I was like, all right, I'll make let me make comments yeah. on it. It was either this or the Canon um, uh, it Was one of the RC model. I think it's like the comparable RC model. But I had a I had a friend of mine that was that's a Canon person, you know, through and through that was like. Normally I would tell you to get the Canon, but I think they're they're not going to be working on this model much longer. They're going to be coming out with something else, and I was like, mm-hmm. "See, this is where I always make that mistake of if if I if I'm gonna get yeah. something, sure enough, there's going to be something brand new for the same price, you know, the next day." <laughs> uh, so I was like, "Are you the product killer?" <laughs> I'm like, I mean, when I say that, like, I got I got the 2011 MacBook Pro. And then they announced mm. the future model three days later. And this was this was oh, before man. I was like following, the you know, reading the tea leaves and stuff. It was like, I need a laptop. So I went and bought a laptop in three days. Like, I mean, I was lucky I was in the window. Oh, and, like, it. But
1: it
0: was like, it was like, ooh, ever since then, it's just like, it's always, I, I have to like try to read of, all right, when's, I don't know much about this technology. When's the next one coming out? And then sure enough, I get it. A month or two later it's like oh we're announcing the next model
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's so classic man and, and basically we're just going to start calling you the skew yeah, killer i mean yeah. even,
0: even with the 6400 they got i mean I, there's no way i'm buying it but don't they have like there's a new sony camera that's supposed to be like the, the hotness for streamers
1: no, well, well sony has a bunch of different things out there um I think the problem right now is this, this is that certain point of the the camera life cycle, uh, release life cycle. You won't hear about these things for another two years or so. They don't, you don't typically get companies putting cameras out every single year. You know, it's, it's usually a year or two off, um, because of developments and testing. And then they're thinking, Oh, well maybe we could add this feature too and test that out. Um, So you had that latest, the 6600, you had the the A7C, uh, which is closer to what you have right now. I actually just did a review on that. Um, But you won't see anything like that for maybe another year, maybe another two years. It's just how it is because they're also in in between that doing things like their full frame, larger body sizes, um, like the A7 Mark. 3 is eventually going to be out there or the next a7r mark 5 and stuff like that you know so it's you lucked out with it um being sony because sony is going to always have something available to you but yeah you you did sort of get it at the wrong time, that particular model. I mean, <laughs> at the that, wrong time. I mean, that,
0: that's like the microphone <laughs> crazy, and, and I mean, I'm a little bit more in tune with what's going on on the audio side just just because you know that yeah. kind of runs in the family a little bit. But you know, when I was looking at microphones, everyone was like the Shure SM7B. That's that's like the that's the hotness, and it's like, mm, I mean, the SM7 was around back in the Thriller days, so the seven B like. I feel like that's going to get changed. And sure enough, they came out with the MV7. And luckily, I didn't buy one because I, I would have been mad had I spent, you know, $400 for a podcasting mic that they ultimately replaced with a $200 version. Um, but still, I...
1: Nah, I don't know about that. No. The
0: oh, Are you on the SM7? Thing? I
1: tested the... I Nope, 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 nope. I didn't say that. But I did test the MV7. And... It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But it still doesn't quite have everything an SM7B would have from a frequency response standpoint. Um, even like what I'm speaking in now is a how PR40. This is a standard uh, at twit. That's what we all use. And I compared it from a spectral display standpoint to this mic. And the MV7 It's it's close, but it's still it's not quite at the level of one of these types of dynamic mics, like the SM7B or this Heil. But, but for the price point, I highly recommend it to people for that price point and the flexibility, because if you're, if you're starting out in content creation and podcasting or what have you, you're probably not going to have an audio interface. You're just going to have a USB port and you got that. And then if you decide to start stepping your game up and invest in more in some different equipment, that mic can still grow with you because it also has the XLR uh, output and input options on it. So it's pretty solid for that price point and you get really good audio. Um, and what I don't like when people start talking about microphones is they will sit there and have an argument and tell you just how much better this high pr forty is versus the SM seven B, or vice versa, and nobody ever considers the fact that the voices are different. Mm-hmm. This mic may may sound better for my voice versus an SM seven B.
0: One one hundred percent on that, and I mean that's I've got I've got two XLR mics. I got this one, which like I said, it's a it's the blue Bluebird SL, which I think is like. Mm-hmm the it's like right underneath their uh baby bottle and i mean it's to me it was it was cheaper i would actually put it in the same realm as like an mv7 um but again just having mm-hmm. having a chaotica eyeball one it balanced out that price tag i might as well have just bought the more expensive <laughs> one after that but uh you know honestly i didn't like the base registry in the in the sm7b and and I was
1: uh huh. That's the thing. It's 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 got a lot more low end than other mics, but that's their signature. Yeah. You know, it's just that's just what they I do. I haven't
0: tried those PR. And phones. I don't like I that. I've I've wanted to, but I've never been in a position to where I could. And I was, you know, I I kind of grew up on Audio Technica equipment. So like, I was yeah, the AT series, and even now I came in and everyone was like, oh, what mic should we get? And I was like man, let me, let me find somebody Audio Technica A-like 21, 22s and just like give them, give them those. And, man, and it,
1: the 2020 was the, the business, absolutely. man, Absolutely, those things.
0: But I mean, yeah, like I said, it was, it was, it's just a matter of, of being able to use what you've got. And I think that's, yep. that was the kind of the big reason of the, the why now on a, on a good camera. It was like, look, I know, I don't know what I don't know but i know that i'm not going to be able to learn as much if i'm just trying to use the visco app and you know just take a good photo or i know i'm not going to be able to to yeah. figure out how to stream and set up proper lighting with like you can, mm-hmm. you can get away with it, but it's, it's never going to be like my, my goal is to eventually produce like an actual video series that our company does, where it's like, I'm sending, I'm bringing people mm-hmm. onto a set. We're recording like mm-hmm. we've got red cameras and all that stuff and making like good shots. And I'm working as a, as a producer on that. But mm-hmm. I know that I'm not going to be able to do that. If I don't have at least a fundamental understanding of the basics and a lot of those basics, like you said, with the iPhones, they take care of a lot of that for you. And even now with a lot of the Sony, yep. you know, Sony computing stuff inside of it, they they try to take care of a lot of that stuff for you, too. But even yep. even just shooting video, like I've I've had to focus on like, all right, let me think about my background. I've got too many faces and pictures and stuff in these backgrounds that keep. You know, stealing mm-hmm. focus from my camera. So how do I, mm-hmm. how do I set up mm-hmm. my background to account for that? Or how do I, you know, switch into mm-hmm. a manual focus and, and have to shoot video, you know, in a manual focus like that? And what does mm-hmm. raw look like? I don't know, but let me shoot in it and find out and be like, ooh, my pores have pores. All right. Let me, let me figure yeah. this out. <laughs>
1: So I I dig that you have some curiosity about it and I dig that you are wanting to focus on the fundamentals of it because unfortunately, I don't think our society gets that anymore. Everything is so instant gratified kind of thing. And I remember when I started doing Hop, and I know I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but I remember when I I first started doing Hop, Hands-On Photography, my first 10 episodes or so, Every week I was getting questions about when are we going to get into this? When are we going to get into that? Yada, 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 yada. And and I had to tell them, I said, look, you folks that are intermediate photographers or or haven't started doing this just just this month or whatever, these first couple episodes are not for you. Uh, I want to have something out there on the record for people that are just getting started that have this camera that they were gifted or something that they bought. Couple years ago, and totally forgot about it, and decided to pick it up. And they're like, "What the heck is all all these knobs on here for?" I want to be able to walk them through what that stuff means in a uh, semi informal, um, something that's a lot more comfortable and approachable standpoint, and say, "You know what? This is what exposure is. This is what aperture is, and this is what it means by having that f number on your screen." and when you can put that stuff together, I promise you, it just clicks. I mean, it's just it's going to take practice or whatever, but it just clicks. I can pick up my camera right now, walk outside and see a, a tree or something off in the distance. And my camera is always in manual mode, but I, I I've practiced so much that I can just look outside and see. Okay, I should probably be at about f five point six because it's starting to get a little bit too dark outside, and I want to get the shutter at about one one twentieth of a second. Put the ISO at about ISO six hundred, maybe ISO eight hundred, because if I push it too much higher now, I'm start getting in, getting into noise. And this is within you know two seconds, and I hit click. You know, but but that's because I understand the triangle. And I've been practicing it over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what camera I, I pick up, but that's my thought process. And when you understand those fundamentals, you can pick up any camera. It makes it a lot easier to test all of these other cameras that I've been getting these last couple of weeks because I understand the fundamentals of the, of the uh, exposure triangle.
0: And see, I think um, that's where, like, I wish I wish that more or more people I call it like the barbershop mentality like anybody mm-hmm. can cut their own hair. I mean, you may not do a good yeah. job, but like anybody can put, uh-huh. you know, clippers to hair and hair will disappear. But yep. there are often schools of thought. You have those people that went to a beauty school and, you know, did all that stuff. And, and they understand what cutting against the grain and, and with the grain and all that stuff does. But then you also have those people who have been cutting hair for 60 years. And yeah. You know, similarly, yeah. like the audio people were like, oh, I only use this microphone or I only use this camera. And it's because you, you have a relationship with it that, you know, you know where you need to set it. If you want to give someone a clean fade, mm-hmm. you know how to make those adjustments on the fly. And that's something that, you know, you you can get taught but you don't really understand it until you've been doing it and honestly that's that's where I am a, with a lot of my stuff now where it comes to like podcasting I've I've sat in the conversations with a lot of podcasters and they're like well how come you know how come you're not doing full-time podcasting how come you're not you know going after advertisers and all that stuff and it was like well I understand at that point part of my job is I'm no longer po- like I'm not a, I'm a professional podcaster, but my job is to sell ads at that point. Like it's not, uh, and I don't mm-hmm. want to have to deal with that. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to hire someone to to do ad stuff. I don't want to have to, you know, think about all those things. And also I understand that the conversations that I want to have, cause I'm selfish and this show is all about me. Um, <laughs> I know that my interest is so varied that, if i wanted to say all right we're gonna do you know this type of show it's gonna talk about this we're gonna you know set up an editorial calendar where we interview these people who have books coming out that want to advertise with us and all this stuff i can do that i have no desire to do that (laughs) like i just want to get up on stage and talk and then have people go how come he looks so good on the screen when everybody else looked like garbage And i'm like well you know, That's true. I watched these videos by Ant and he showed me how to work this camera and you know make it look right. <laughs> like, <laughs> we need more
1: people like that. Move that key light. Just move that key light to the left just a little bit. You're Speaking good. of
0: you key light, <laughs> man, I, these glasses, man, I'm I'm getting so tired of lighting with glasses. It is like I'm yeah, I move my camera off to the side just so that I don't get like glare from my screen. But then I got, I got this dang like Elgato key light above my head and I'm, I'm, I'm putting it high and pointing down so that my green screen has balanced lighting. And I know I'm going to have to invest in some like other lighting for the side and that would fix that problem. But at the same time, it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to play around with it. And it's like lighting. I, I knew lighting played a big part and how good you look, but no one yep. told me it was going to be this, like, finicky of, like, if you barely move all your... When you start doing jump cuts, yeah. how come halfway through the video you look slightly darker? Like, like all those little yep. things. Yep, yep,
1: yep. You know, and the thing is that's... I hate saying it like this, but this is why a lot of people don't appreciate creative artists. Uh, this is why a lot of people will look at me say, well, why don't you get a real job? (laughs) You know, why are you doing podcasting as a career? Why are you, you know, shooting uh, video and and photography as a career? Why don't you get a real job? And they don't understand the nuance that comes with that responsibility of, of moving lights and knowing Understanding the inverse square law, what happens when I turn this light on, what happens when I move it here, what happens when I push it back, when I pull it closer, when I put a grid on, if I change the modifier, they they don't appreciate that stuff. They they appreciate the final results because they think it's just magical happening at one click of a button when it takes a lot of time to understand, you know, inverse square law and understand that, you know, your light has to be a certain color temperature. Um, All of them have to be the same color temperature or you will have a mess. And they're going to be like, color temperature? Mm -hmm. What? I
0: I think that's (laughs) like one of the funniest images I remember seeing is right after after the pandemic started, there was a picture of Ira Glass in his closet, like with with the clothes still in it, just like leaning over into like a blue Yeti, talking all up close to the mic. And he was still in a three-piece suit. And I'm just like, Ira, what? Bro, like you struggling over there, man. You should have had a home studio hey. set up a long time ago, even like a small one.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing. That the pandemic did help with people is figure out these contingency plans. Um, see, this is that IT side coming out. You you hear about disaster recovery oh, yeah. all the time, uh, you know, and I don't think people take that seriously enough. Um, being here in Northern California for the first time and and hearing about these uh, wildfires, I heard about them, you know, from being in the East coast or whatever, I heard about them, but didn't live them. And when we were out here, this was, this was probably, this wasn't as bad as 2017, but 2019's fires was pretty
0: I know bad. more people that it got impacted really by the 2019 fires than the 2017 ones.
1: Yeah, it, it was pretty bad. And understanding disaster recovery during that really just kicked in for me. Um, you know, I, I remember doing quick inventories and taking pictures and stuff all over the place, and and backing that up just in case I needed to report it, you know, lost or and uh, loss or damage or whatever, and and uh, figuring out contingency plans for okay if if we have to evacuate. Everybody's going to be going down one-on-one south. What are my alternatives just in case I can't get down one-on-one south fast enough? What are my alternatives for recording? Because I still would like to work, even though it's it's probably not that important. But I know my brain is like, I need to be creating, you know? So so it, it, it's, it really does help to understand contingency plans for all of your stuff, even just your regular day-to-day life. And I think the pandemic did help us, you know, to do a bit of a reboot from a social standpoint. At least I hope it did um, because the world was just going on a really, really insane spiral of, of just, yeah, uh, oh, it just makes me sick to think about some of the stuff that we've dealt with as society and the thing, the way people act and the instant gratification and all of the, the sense of entitlement when you haven't earned shit. And uh, it, it's like the pandemic came in and said, Hey, Slow down. Mm-hmm. Slow your roll. You know, let me let me show you what's really going on. Yeah. You need to figure out who you are and count your blessings. You know, I don't care how small your blessings are. Appreciate this stuff. You know, just it, it, I think that's what really happened in 2020. It, 2020 was a craptastic year. But it was also a year to be able to take advantage of, of the downtime and get yourself uh, a back aligned and find your center I, you know? I don't
0: think i would have made the move that i did in my career had it not been for 2020 like and and that's right, I mean, that's a right. good and a bad thing like i was like pit itself was a, a business and i mean it wasn't making any kind of living money off of but you know i i had set myself up to be to be in like a good growth year and then everything kind of stopped and it was like, Ooh. And then like you start seeing all the other side of business that you're like, ah, I kind of like doing the fun stuff. I don't really like doing all this admin stuff. Like I don't like having to, you know, (laughs) have all my clients duck out. Now I got to go find like more people to do podcast editing and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm, we might be hanging this up for a little bit, but, uh, (laughs) but even then, like, Just the idea of like, now I'm sitting here. I've got to, you know, make things work in, in my little space. And over time, you know, slowly evolve it into a, a more livable situation, but, but also deal with, uh, this will do for now. And instead of, instead of, you know, kind of being that person that just says, I'm not going to do it at all because I don't mm-hmm. have a, you know, a 6400. I don't have a LG five screen, you know, or your five know, G widescreen, or, you know, I don't have the latest and greatest. Like I remember not being able to live stream because my computer would reboot in the middle of the stream just because it overheated. <laughs> and it was all right. Well, I guess, we're, I guess we're not going to be live streaming for a little bit, but what else can we do? Like, how do we, how do we work around this? Like maybe I, I, don't turn on my camera, or maybe I, you know, offload it to a, a Raspberry Pi where it's handling some of the work and you know my computer yes. or something else. How do I make this work? And I and I, I agree <laughs> with you that we have so much afforded to us that I feel like the next generation I feel like the next generation of kids are going to be Be good until something throws them out of their comfort zone. Whereas, you know, at least my generation, the people that are in their 30s now I sound like an old person now. All right. All right. I'm not going to (laughs) The, the people that grew up, you know, in the small towns where you didn't have access to stuff unless you you sacrificed to make it happen. And often, yeah. you were already sacrificing to make other things happen. Like you could, you had to. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you get set up with something nice, you're like, "Oh man, I used to do this with a tin can and some, you know, some aluminum foil. Right. Watch me do some magic with this." Oh,
1: there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing Yeah. No, I got this.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, There was one thing I was going to ask you now. I've totally forgotten. Um, Oh, creating. Because uh, you talking about LUTs earlier. Is that just curiosity to to figure out what a LUT is, or what made you decide to to say, okay, I want to work on I, LUTs? Uh, what exactly are your plans that was, with
0: that? Was more that was more of a phrase filler to be to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I'm a little familiar with the idea of of having some type of you know. Filter that can can adjust the overall about like color balance and stuff, but I mean, again, I know I don't know what I don't know. So like, yeah, right. I think at one right. point, and this actually came from the live stream setup, the 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 ghetto live stream setup where it was like, how come I'm starting to look purple? Which again, I think a lot of these problems will be solved if people just hired more black folks because you shouldn't be trying to color correct and then. Black people start changing colors on you like that. That's that's a bad move. But
1: here's a true story. (laughs) Coming to Twit TV and Mr. Micah Sargent, who you'll have on your show at some point soon, uh, he's his skin complexion is a little bit lighter than mine. And he'd been there before before me, at least a year before me get in there and things look look fine. But when it was time for me to get on here, I noticed that I looked a little bit different. But I thought it was just, okay, just a glitch this week or whatever. But I know, started noticing it every week. And and I'm thinking to myself, man, I mean, this is twit. These cats, they, I mean, they know they know what they're doing and got all of the gear. Everything's just just right. But I had to just speak up and say, hey, um, no, my skin don't look <laughs> don't, don't look right. <laughs> I mean, it's not a problem for most people because. And, uh, you know, and, and I remember the engineers was like, well, why didn't you say something? You know, and for me, I'm thinking I didn't want to step on anybody's toes, but they they wasn't sure. And, and they didn't want to offend me or anything. But I, I love that we jumped right on it and got it squared away. And we have a gaffer that we use. Um uh, in addition to the engineers there on site had the gaffer come up and i spent an hour or so just standing in one spot <laughs> while they moved lights yeah. around and change color temperatures and things like that and then i go spend another hour in another spot while they move lights around because it's it's got to work you know and i appreciate the fact that twit wants to put out a damn good product and and they will do whatever it takes to make that product sound and look good you know
0: and and see that's (laughs) that's where this whole like inquiry about like why is it that we still have these problems and and again it's uh are you familiar with kev on stage
1: kev on stage uh He's
0: he's a comedian and youtuber but he's he's really trying to do this big movement in la where like I mean, he just got his own studio. He's hiring, you know, black employees, previously incarcerated folks. And, like, they're actually doing stuff. And I'm, I'm like, super happy oh, to see that. But the interesting thing that got me was, like, why has it always got to be comedy? And why has it always got to be Black History Month? Like, not that we don't need those things. I absolutely think we need those things, especially comedy, because you need to laugh sometimes. But... It yeah. seemed like when Tyler Perry came out, comedy, mm-hmm. like all of the all of the super awesome black movies, a lot of them are comedies. A lot of the popular uh-huh. black entertainers, from Richard Pryor to Eddie Murphy all the way up, they all got their act start in yep. comedy. And it was it was that entertainment yep. philosophy. And now for the first time ever, when you think of like who from a scientific standpoint is, you know, a person of color and what's their role. And then we look at Neil deGrasse Tyson and it's like entertainment, like his charisma, his entertainment. Yeah. And, and that's a great thing that we're able to exceed to succeed like that. But yeah. why does that not translate into the tech space as easily? Why, Why are there only... A handful of of black technicians, people that know the craft that are actively speaking and being being amplified in the space. And, and that's why, like, I mean, I have no qualms about it. Like Mike Hurley and the relay FM guys, like, I'm a part of their mentorship group for underrepresented folks. Yeah. But it was like, Mike, I've been I've been podcasting almost as long as you have. Like, I've been doing all yeah. this stuff, and and yeah. the folks that you're trying to promote, they're not going to have the same opportunities as you unless they're doing comedy, because <laughs> yeah. the world doesn't look at us like that. So, I, I mean, I really did want to bring these people in.
1: I, I, and I'm probably going to piss some people off here, <laughs> but... It, I, I see it a couple different ways and I'm a prime example of it. You know, I told you I enjoy arts and stuff, but where I grew up, people didn't care about arts. It was, it was sports, you know, you know, football, basketball.
0: I mean, you're um, in North Carolina. That's, that's basketball territory right now. You know,
1: <laughs> you know well, well, I mean, I grew up in South Carolina where it's, it's yep. all football. You know, it, it's, 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 I grew up near Clemson, South Carolina, and it's all football. And I love it. Football is my first love and football literally changed my life for the better, you know, as a, as a young man. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm forever grateful for it. Um, But at the same time, I did love arts. I, I was in the band. I was a letter athlete, even though I was in the band, I just couldn't march. You know, I would go and playing the concerts and things like that. Um, but then the other black folks that were in the band, they were sort of just in the band because they had to be, you know, mm-hmm. um, because they had the, the option of choosing band versus say, like, I don't know, which shop or something. I don't know. But I chose to be and wanted to be. And For a lot of people, it turned into once they got into it, they stayed in it because it was the easiest way to get those credits and graduate in, you know, however many years it takes to get to the 12th grade or whatever. But that was about it. When they were when they were done with it, they were done. I took it to the next level. I I kept my saxophone for up to about a couple of years ago when I, I, I got rid of it because I wasn't able to play it anymore. I just wasn't able to play it. But most people in my community, they would not relate to that, would not understand it, wouldn't get it. Uh, Most people in my own family wouldn't relate to that or get it. And so when I look at the stuff like tech, I think it's a matter of the environment that we're in, the environment of of our family members and closest peers. Uh, Do they care about it, you know, or are they just um, afraid of it? Um, and then you have to look deeper than that. Why don't they care about it? You know, or even do they even know about it? My mother is the first college person in our family and that blows my mind. But when I look at it, looked at it years later, I was, I could see why she's the first and only college person in the family, because most of my family, they're not very sharp. They're just not. Um, they just sort of get up and do what they are told to do and that's it. Or they're just sitting around chilling, doing nothing, whining, complaining about air quotes, the system or air quotes, the white man. And it's got nothing to do with that. Uh, A lot of it is just, what's your motor? You know, what's your motivation? Uh, What did you do to... Broaden yourself and, and broaden your skill set, and it's not like we, yeah, our opportunities are limited. But are you even taking taking advantage of those limited opportunities? I think
0: I think that's you the know? big difference. There is that, like everyone, everyone here will say that yes, the opportunities are fewer, and and I think that that's mm-hmm. that's to me is is the situation that I was in because it was like I. I felt like I didn't have the opportunities that other folks would have, but I've still tried to work with what I did. So I, I agree with you on in, you know, in the sense of like, use what you got. But I also yeah. think that it, it's it's almost a, a twofold problem. It's, mm-hmm. it's use what you got, but don't forget where you came from, because there's going to be the next person like you that wants to, that wants to go that route. There's going to be another aunt Pruitt that yeah. plays sports because you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, but at the same time, mm-hmm, wants mm-hmm. to be a photographer wants to be in tech, but that's not, that's not shown. That's not amplified in that area. And it takes someone saying it's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me time, but I'm going to invest in those areas personally And show people. Like, I mean, that's that's what I I tell people like developer advocacy wasn't even an industry when I was growing up. So, I mean, it wasn't like I had Mm -hmm. that opportunity, but I Mm -hmm. got into podcasting because my grandfather listened to NPR all day. So I heard this American yeah. life, you know, growing up and I heard, you yeah. know, all of these these interview things. So I wanted to be a radio personality growing up.
1: Yeah. And then I learned that radio yeah.
0: was effectively dead. Um and then I learned yeah. that it was like living on. And this yeah, is it. And it, it was like the closest thing is podcasting. So I was like, well, let me jump yeah. into that. And I started doing that and learning about all the people in that space and asking questions and figuring it out. And it's always interesting when The white folks that I interview are like, how come I've never heard of you? I was like, I mean, I ain't gone. I ain't been nowhere. Like, (laughs) I'm just doing what I'm doing. Like, but, but it's, it's a matter of, like I said, you had at the, in the interview, like you have to want to do it, but I think you also have to know that it's doable. And a lot of folks, I mean, a lot of the old heads that I, that, you know, that I grew up around they were told you can work at TVA or you could work at Oak Ridge yeah. over at the nuclear plant. And th- those were your options. Yeah. And one of them required- yeah.
1: That's a small town, small mind exactly. mentality. That's all across America. Um, it's all across America. And I understand that. I, I grew up with a lot of those people in my family. Um, but I was told in said small town by a, a couple select people that, Hey, aunt, you can do something else if you really want to. Oh, really? Really, coach? I can? Yeah, you can. This is how. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did, you yeah, know? You got you to gotta have someone um, showing you that it is something that's doable, which.
1: My coach told me that. My mother told me that. My dad told me that. My grandparents told me that, you know? And the thing is, my mother... And grandparents not only told me that, but they also told my sister. They told my cousins. Um, So, you know, they told everybody in the family, but everybody didn't choose, you know, everybody didn't choose to take that, that step, you know, for whatever reason. And I will never quite understand that. And I still, to this day, don't even know if I can even relate to my family back home. When I go back to visit, uh, I can remember the last couple of times that I went back to visit, you know, even while I was there in North Carolina, it was really, really awkward because I don't know what to say <laughs> to my family. selling me when I go visit. I don't, I don't have anything to converse with, you know. <laughs> they want to, the first thing out their mouth was, did you see what so-and-so put on Facebook? I'm already out of that conversation. <laughs> yeah, you know?
0: I, I have a... We I have a rule with you know my family is like y'all get one week like after a week like I gotta I gotta go because I will I'll be losing my mind (laughs) but it it is very much the same and I don't I want to make sure that I'm helping folks that don't have those people that can speak into them because I I mean. I mean, I'm from a broken home. Like I heard you say, you know, your stepmom. So, I mean, there, there was, there was a split at some point. So it's like,
1: there's,
0: we see all this stuff. And, and finally, as a parent, like, I understand now, (laughs) like, I totally get it. It was like, as much Mm -hmm. as I want to, you know, tell my daughter, you know, she's two. So a little bit easier, you know, as much as I want to tell her, like, Hey, you know, don't, you don't need to be watching you, YouTube kids right now. You should, you should be doing something that's educational. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, I'm tired. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I had Zoom calls mm-hmm. all day. I, I got an interview. I'm setting up mm-hmm. later at the end of the day. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to close my eyes. And if you're watching YouTube and you're not screaming or trying to get me to do something right now, it, it's great. But then at the same time. Yeah. You get I, it. <laughs> yeah like I, not to be glib about it, but it's like but I also try to check myself on yeah. that too and go like, all right, let's let's right. make sure right. it's a balance. Yeah, let's make sure that, you know, she is learning and let's make sure, you know, let's let's look at what she's doing and make sure that it's not, you know, not just watching buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. And it's like whenever she asks, like, Daddy, can I can I draw on your iPad? It's like, Yeah, I mean pull out the Apple pencil, put it on notes and just let her scribble around. And I'm starting to notice now yep. as a two year old, she knows where to change the colors. She knows how to turn on the eraser. That's and i awesome. like, like, hold on. Let me, let me get my camera out and watch this. <laughs> awesome. Put this out.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. And that's, that's also a credit to um, intuitive design too. you know, those developers putting mm-hmm. that together. Um, and I was just sitting here thinking <laughs> when I went to college, playing football, and when you're in college, you have to write papers. At least that's how it was umpteen years ago, 20 plus years ago, however long ago it was for me. Uh, you had to write papers. And my teammates, which most of them hated me for whatever reason, I still don't know why to this day, they couldn't write. They couldn't write their papers. But guess who could type? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me, the only cat on the team that could type. Well, I was one of the few, and of course, I took advantage of it. You know, I said, "Well, I actually took a typing class because I knew that computers was going to be the future, and I should probably know how to type." And that's what I did, and it helped me make a couple bucks. You know, every week somebody needed Pruitt to write it, write their papers for them. Yeah, it's gonna cost you, bro.
0: <laughs> but but that, that's a sign of your hustle from, like, day one, though. Like, because, cause, I mean, that's yeah. the thing is, like, there are folks that, like I said, I could do the business thing. I'd don't want to it's a lot easier yeah (laughs) like it's much easier being able to get on you know get on a camera for 45 minutes and talk about you know some programming paradigm and then jump off and do whatever i want like that that is a lot easier than saying all right let me make sure my my you know taxes are paid for this quarter and all this is lined up and all and you know i've got these interviews Uh, oh 941 yeah so it's for me it's like I think there's a there's a level of independence that some folks want to have. There's a level of drive and, like, I'm going to make this my thing. And I think the mm-hmm. next step there is finding that in between. Because I think there are a lot of folks that are like, I have no desire to run my own business. I am perfectly fine just pushing the same buttons all day long so I can go home and play Call of Duty. Yeah, like, There are people that are fine doing yeah. that. No, more power to them.
1: Yeah. I've been there, yeah, I've been there, um boom, I had man, kind <laughs> of just this you're just taking me back on some stuff I hadn't thought about in years, but uh, back in say the year two thousand, I believe, yeah, year two thousand, um I was trying to find somewhere to work or whatever, and just you know was striking out, and I got to the point where I realized I didn't have any skills just yet, I needed to get more skills. But in the meantime, I need to work. So I would go and apply at these different mills and plants and whatever, and they would all look at me like I'm crazy and like, you're overqualified, dude. You don't need to be sitting here pushing a button on this machine for eight hours, for 12 hours or whatever. And I'm like, I'm totally fine with doing that. I, I need cash. And if this is what it takes, this is what it takes. And I did end up getting a job at a plant as um, an assistant to one of the plant engineers. And it was a great job because it allowed me to do a lot more brain power stuff. I wasn't just staring at a machine all day, even though I would have been totally content with staring at a machine all day because of the the simplicity of it and the lack of responsibility that came along with it, just made sure that machine was working. And at the end of the day, I went home, done. Now, as as I was working with that assistant, you know, I didn't sweat as much as everybody else. You know, it was just a lot more easier. But every now and then I'd get a phone call on my day off asking me about some type of, you know, analytics or whatever, because they're trying to figure something out and wanted to know if I had any insight. And I didn't care for that too much. And then later on in my IT career, and I told you I moved up the chain and was managing the team and this and that and travel or whatever. And I realized I did not like managing people. It's, it's the worst. Yes. <laughs> it's just babysitting. And everybody that I hired, I told them in their interviews, look, I'm not going to sit here and babysit you. I got three kids now. I'm not babysitting you. You're, you're a grown-ass man or you're a grown-ass woman. I'm, I'm not going to babysit you. I tell them just like that. And that's how I ran that um, department. Uh, I gave everybody their task at the beginning of the day and I moved on and did whatever I needed to do. I didn't go and check on them and none of that. I just knew that by a certain time if task A wasn't done, you're going to hear from me. It was as simple as that, <laughs> you
0: know. That sounds a lot like um when I and was then, in military. And I mean <laughs> that was that was so it was harder because i understood a little bit like i mean i i dropped out i went to, i graduated early i graduated when i was 17 and mm-hmm. moved out started college realized college i just wasn't mentally ma- maturity level prepared for college so i did the next stupid uh-huh. thing i joined the Marine that Corps. Happens. <laughs> so oh man but uh when i did that I had already been on my own for a year and I had been working for several years at that point. Like, I think I started working when I was 15. Mm -hmm. So like, I knew how to file my taxes. Like I knew how to do my laundry. Mm -hmm. I knew how to do all that. I knew how to like, I had bought a car. Well, I had bought a used car, but I had gone through that process.
1: You're advanced. So
0: when you're, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, you know, enlisted Marine, but I'm in leadership. I'm a corporal Mm E4. And it's like mm-hmm. you're getting a brand new fleet, a uh, brand new drop of Marines that come in. And some of them are like fresh out of high school, and never lived on yeah, their own. No nothing. They never had to do their own laundry. One of the first things I had to do every single year because I was on a rapid deployment team was teach people how to file their taxes. Like, all right, grab your W two. Yeah. All right, you're gonna go to this website. You're gonna fill out the information. Yeah. Sit there and have a class on like, all right, it yeah. says line four. What does line four say? All right, put that number in here. And it and it was like. I'm I'm supposed to be relying on you like if if we start taking fire yeah. or something I got to rely on you to save my life but I can't I can't rely on you to smell good <laughs> you know cuz
1: yeah cuz yeah. yeah. told you to take yeah. a shower yeah. in
0: the last couple of days like so yeah it was it's so hard to I'm like you know, I don't want to be a manager like I I told my boss that I was like nope. I I want to move to a director level to where I can say, here are some big moves that I want to see made. And I want to build That's a team right. that can manage getting That's that right. happening. That part in between, I'm like, I will, I will straight up tell you, like, y'all grown, like, here are the steps, here are the marching orders, y'all mm-hmm. need to do this, but I don't have time to sit there and focus on the little stuff and making sure mm-hmm. that people are doing their little stuff. I'm too busy mm-hmm. trying to change the world. Like, and and that is yeah. a mentality that I've had since like day one. It's just like, yeah. if I think, if I think too small, I won't be able to make any kind of impact because I already feel like I'm at somewhat of a disadvantage. So I have to think 10 times bigger than the folks around me so that I can make Equal about an equal amount of impact. And if I get lucky, I might make a little bit bigger than them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I have one thing that I wanted to ask you. And this will be my last one. <sighs> Developer advocacy. And really, really broad saying it that way. So I want to, I really want to dig a little bit deeper. Because it sort of relates back to interest in people wanting to go after tech and things like that. What in the world made you want to get into the, the inner workings of developer advocacy and understanding what it takes to put together a piece of software to have a beautiful UI, uh, uh, an intuitive, functional UI? And all of the bells and whistles that comes along with it after it's implemented and understanding support and, uh, and libraries and repositories and it, what in the world made you want to go down this road and dive into that stuff?
0: So some of it was was by force. Uh, don't, my boss this. <laughs> no choice, like, oh, huh? Really? <laughs> but, like no. I mean, I, I wanted to be a, a developer for the longest, and then as i was as i was working in it and then i later switched to marketing what i realized was when i was a sysadmin i couldn't do a lot of programming and stuff because it was like no nah, everything is up and running like don't break it if it isn't working so yeah. when i moved to marketing it was like oh i can make this process you know i can automate this process 10 15x mm-hmm. and they were like really you know mm-hmm. how to do I was like, yeah, just build a script and let it run. And I've even joked mm-hmm. about that where it's like I did my best work when I wasn't sitting at my computer and the computer was just doing its own thing. Um, That's right. But yeah. what I realized was, you know, as an advocate, a part of what I do is being being a voice, being a and being the person that seems like they know it all without having to actually know it all because i I have all of those people behind me and if it, and I personally feel like if you 're doing your job right, you'll convey very well what you do and don 't know, and you 'll be able to kind of be that that connector and and I feel like that 's mm-hmm. where as an advocate uh, especially as as an advocate who had spent a lot of time interviewing folks and in podcasting. I was never the guy that could, like, oh, your car's messed up. Well, hold on, let, let me dig in there and fix it. Like, no, 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 that's not me. I know a guy, though. <laughs> like, I know that's somebody right. that can do that. That's right. And it's like, oh, you need an accountant? I know a guy. You need this? You know, I know a guy. Like, mm-hmm. I was always the guy who knew a guy. So, yeah. for me.
1: Just like any other exactly. CEO. <laughs> so, that's exactly what so they do. So,
0: being an advocate, it was always about. I might know a little bit and what I do know, I can show you almost like when you got, we're talking about the barbershop analogy, that old head in the barbershop that was like, see, when I was your age, we, you know, we used to have these old clippers and now you got these fancy ones. Like I can, I can have that conversation. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I, when I immediately knew what I didn't know, I could go, hold on, let me make a call. And, And, and I think having someone on staff that can be the, Hey, there's a person out in the community that that is really wanting to do this thing and they don't know how to do it. Do you know somebody that could help them? Like I think having someone there that can do that, having and and just having those conversations with people was super valuable. Mm-hmm. And what I realized over time was and and one of my seniors actually said this the other day and I I value it. You know, he said I didn't want to become a programmer to learn how to program. I wanted to become a programmer to learn how to solve problems. So by there being able go. to know the people and the different techniques to solve the problems, I was in a better position as someone who makes connections. Like that's where I'm at right now. My biggest problem you know, that I'm trying to solve at work is how do I quadruple our diversity budget so that, you know, to to answer that problem that I had before of like, Hey, I want to make sure that kids growing up where I grew up know that developer advocacy is even a job is a thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. So how do I do that? How do I solve that problem? And it's like, all right, well, we're going to give you 5,000. All right. How do I turn 5,000 into 25,000? And you know,
1: see, man, see, look, look. Mm. (laughs) take that perspective, but then I'm going to give you what my point of view is. You know, how do I go back to where I grew up and say, hey, photography is a thing. Photography is a a job. You know, how do I go back and tell that to my peers that I grew up with and their kids, if they have any or whatever, and just, just say, hey, photography is a thing. Photography isn't just Instagram. You know, photography isn't just uh, TikTok or whatever. How do I go back? And every, every time I think about this, it always... Uh, just gives me the same answer back to me straight up and punch me in the nose. They're not interested. They're just not freaking interested. What they're interested in is how do I go viral on Instagram? How do I go viral on YouTube?
0: And I think that's where the the Noah person comes in because you can teach them how to know people. Mm -hmm. And and I I think that that's something that, Like the hood, the hood has always had and I I swear, I mean, I've got the I got the notebook here with the outline and everything. I'm gonna write this book one day. (laughs) I've started working Mm -hmm. on it, I Mm -hmm. promise. Um But Mm -hmm. I believe that the black community in America as a whole has always had to move in between, move in the gray. It's kind of kind of how I put it. It's like, can you do that? And it's like, well, don't worry about it like that that's, that's okay. how i've always felt like as a culture you've had to move when your mom and them had to you know they wanted to go on date night and they had to call your grandma and your grandma was supposed you know came and watched the kids after school so she could work a double like technically yep. like if you're paying grandma anything if it's over like five thousand a year you're supposed to tax that and it's like well can you tax do that well, yeah. don't worry about it so how yeah. do we use those skills of like hey i know somebody that You know, they don't they don't shoot, you know, they don't do photography full time, but they're really good with a camera. And like you could probably give them like two or three hundred dollars and they they'll come and they'll like they'll shoot your set for you or, you know, something like that. And it's like, all right, that's how you get started. Now, you want to be famous on Instagram, right? How do you take how do you take Mm. advantage of that space? Say you're you know, that's Mm. one of the things that I did as a as a, you know, someone trying to get my business going. It was like I do podcasting, right? I know how to do newsletters right. because I was in marketing. And I know that a lot of people yep. that do podcasts also do newsletters. And since I'm a programmer, I can automate their newsletter. Automate so it. <laughs> why don't I just talk to a bunch of podcasters and be like, Hey, I know you're trying to get your newsletter off the ground. What if you gave me like a hundred dollars a month and I just automate your newsletter? Like I'll, I'll just do your newsletter for you. And the only thing I ask mm-hmm. is that like, if you know someone else that's doing it, you give me a shout out. Because what yeah. kids don't realize today are the the PewDiePie's and all of them. They have editors. They have people yep. that that are making they them famous. And often the next generation of people that get famous are the people who have been doing all of that work up to that point. It's like, oh yeah, I yep. used to edit you know PewDiePie's videos or whatever, and it's like now that person has. Hundred and fifty thousand people just because someone in off comments said oh yeah go follow their channel and that's that to me is the trick is like we're never gonna get their attention long enough to keep them off of tiktok or instagram but i think there has to be a way to where we can say you know there's a whole industry of people that do this thing Or that might be doing this thing. Like one of my advocate mentors, Brian Douglas, black brother that works for uh, Microsoft and GitHub. He Mm -hmm. was doing live streaming and video before the pandemic. So when all the other Mm -hmm. advocates, you know, couldn't travel, he already had a following on Twitch. He already had people that were coming in and watching his stuff. And he was already making connections with all of the people that were also doing that so that when they blew up, he blew up as well and and now he's an right. angel investor and I'm like bro I don't I don't understand you but you know sure whatever but to me that's <laughs> the trick is is not is not teaching them how to be a photographer so that they don't want to go on Instagram or TikTok but it's like how do you how do you feed the beast but do it in a way that you're getting paid hmm.
1: Uh, it, it 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 kills me because I, I i struggle with finding the approach you know yeah, cuz i'm not interested in virality myself i am interested in instagram not interested in tiktok but i understand its place and it's it's doing very well for itself and for a lot of people but i have no interest in it and so that means i have to try to Tailor my approach to people when I try to tell them, "Hey, photography is pretty fascinating. It's not just as nerdy as you want to assume that it is. It's not just a bunch of weirdos walking around taking pictures of buildings and things like that. You know, it, it's it's pretty, pretty fascinating. But I never quite have the right delivery or message for that particular audience. It's a lot easier for people that are." my age or whatever and and not into all of that because they're more, you can tell that they have grown out of a lot of things, you know, but they want to get more on the art side. So, But I think yeah.
0: that's why it's important to have like folks like you and Micah, like on the same team, because what you yep. can do is you can now mm-hmm. say, Micah, I, I could care less about TikTok, but I know like, I know Micah had yep. like an IGTV like thing that he was doing for a while. And it was like, Hey, Yep. I noticed that with your IGTV stuff, you're, you look a little grayed out. Have you thought about making these adjustments mm-hmm. and, or, right. you know, after that level of trust has been built, which I'm sure now it has, but like, you're like, Hey, I want to do this thing to help, you know, the next generation. I just want to help give them the content. How do I flip this to make it TikTok available? And, and it may yeah. just be you're providing the content. And I'm sure, this, I'm sure this, this is the stuff that Leo probably talks about. He's just like, I wanted to be podcasting and doing all this stuff, you know, down the road. But now, like, it's the same way that Leo does it. Leo probably can't talk about photography like you can. So he doesn't. He just says, mm-hmm. what do you need? And I'll provide all of the, the access to it. If you need to know what to talk about, I can show you that. Right. And then you make right. it. You know, all this stuff. And at the end of the day, your right. name is on the thing, not mine, but I'm still getting paid. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right.
1: Yeah. There yeah, and there is some of that. That that I mean, but that's that's business. Yeah. That's but leadership. like you said, if you're not chasing you
0: know? virality, then don't go viral. Influence nope. the next influence the person <laughs> going viral because you'll still get paid right. on the back end. Like all of my clients yeah. that I've worked with have bigger audiences than me. But they came to me because mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I've been doing this as long as you have. So you know that I know what I'm doing. I just don't want yeah. to talk about, you know, let's talk about this next productivity app. It's like, no, I mean, I don't have time for that. I got ADHD. <laughs> I can't even focus on the current productivity <laughs> app. So I'm going to do me, <laughs> but when someone needs help, I'm going to help them. Yeah, And then I'm also going to get paid in the process. And I think that's the other part is people got to start wanting to get paid because this whole doing nothing for, yeah. is, nah, that's getting on my nerves. And, and, And see, and that's another thing that's,
1: I think there is a time and a place to not get paid. Uh, Because in my career, there are some times where I've demanded, you know, hey, uh, my time is worth X amount of dollars, period. And then there's other times where I'm thinking, no, I'm going to do this pro bono because This is going to help me grow from a skill standpoint, and it's also going to help me make some other connections that's going to pay me more than what this invoice would have paid.
0: I think with that, though, you still you charge them even if you're doing it pro bono, but the invoice just says, you know, 100 percent covered.
1: Right, right. It still goes (laughs) on the books, but it's a credit. Yeah, it still goes on the book. You're right. It had, it did go on the books as as some you know revenue, but then there's a huge credit. But I there. think
0: even but, even the guy doing five dollar haircuts in his in his bedroom, like it's a five dollar haircut. What are you expecting? Like you're not going to expect mm-hmm. Taj Mahal, but it might just be what you need to get going. I think that there's yep. an industry like if we get use and and this has been my biggest. This is probably the biggest mistake that I did was I came in too low. When I started my business, because I was charging people like, oh, yeah, I'll do it for like 20 bucks. And then, like, eventually Ooh. I was like, I mean, I, again, I, I automated most of the process so I didn't have to do much. It was like, hey, five minutes of my time. Yeah, yeah. But then I realized, wait a minute, I'm the only one out here doing this. So mm-hmm. I'm able to do five times as many newsletters as all my competition. I should still charge the same amount because I'm making five mm-hmm, times as mm-hmm. much. It means I can move faster. And then yep. when you try to go back and be like, Well, actually, you know, I need to renegotiate and da da, da, da. they're like, No, nah, I don't want to hear that. You were you were fifteen dollars, now you're fifteen dollars. Yeah. And yep, and they're gonna late. tell their friends, he'll do it and he's cheap. So, right.
1: You, know, you don't want right. To get that label on. You. Last thing you want to be so, want to be said about you. Yeah.
0: So I, I mean, I think even if you say like, no, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invoice you on this, but don't worry about it. Like it's, you know, homie hookup or whatever. Like, don't worry about it. Put the yep. full amount and then some on it. That way they'll be like, no, nah, man, he's he does good work, and you know the prices reflect yep. that.
1: And that's exactly what I did. Because yeah. <laughs> I need them to know there is value here. You need to see that. There is value here, but bottom line it's gonna be zero. Hundred <laughs> percent. But that is all I got for you, my man. This has uh been quite freaking fascinating. Awesome. Well
0: I, I do a cold and, close, and- so I'm gonna just cut the recording on that.